Hey guys, welcome back to Season 2 of the Asian Hustle Network Podcast, where we dive deep into stories of Asian entrepreneurs around the world. Be sure to check out our book, Uplifted, Journeys of Abundance, Community, and Identity, and check out our directory and marketplace at AsianHustleNetwork.com. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. If you like this podcast, don't forget to leave a five-star review. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network Podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Vanessa Chen. Vanessa is a social media content creator who loves to experiment with various fashion aesthetics. She channels her creativity through dynamic photos and style videos. She's a recently graduated student with an inquisitive mind who likes to put a twist on current trends and make them her own. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> Vanessa, we're so excited to be your first podcast episode ever. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened to the first question? Vanessa, tell us about yourself and tell us about your upbringing. What was that like? Sure. So Mag did a really great job of introducing me. In regards to my upbringing, I'm from this really small town in New Hampshire, Pelham, New Hampshire. Growing up, I was one of the only, if not like seriously, one of the only Asian kids in my high school. So going into college, it was such a cultural shock for me. And yeah, <laughs> basically on my end. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm kind of curious too, like, as you mentioned, the cultural shock, right? What was culturally shocking about transitioning from your hometown into like life in college, right? Like, was that yeah. the first time you were experienced, like you experienced like boba or like certain Asian foods that you weren't experienced with or the most you've ever seen Asian people around? Like, you want to hear more about that experience? For sure. For sure. I think a lot of, you know, Asian Americans can kind of relate to this is like, when I grew up, whenever the food I brought to lunch, people were like, whoa, what is that? They would kind of like cringe or be kind of like surprised by what I ate. And then going into college, I had hot pot for the first time, which to a lot of my other Asian American friends, they were like, you've never had hot pot before. That's wild. And it was kind of weird because, yes, while I am Asian American and I have a lot of, you know, Asian cuisine and traditions integrated into my life, my parents were always big on assimilation in order to fit in. And so when I got to college, I was kind of able to get even more in touch with my roots. So I think that was really cool. And just, you know, seeing people that had similar lives to me, it was really eye opening, I guess. Oh, wow. I love that you shared that. It's just interesting hearing from, you know, different Asian experiences, right? Like you have, you do have parents who really want to assimilate into a new country or in America because they want to, you know, fit in and make sure that their children learn English as soon as possible. But then you have different Asian parents who like, you know, for, for example, my like mind stressed and urged me to like only speak Chinese in the household, right? And they were like, you're going to learn English in school anyway. So, you know, just like speak Chinese all the time and don't worry about, you know, anything else. So it's just interesting hearing those different dynamics. Yeah, it's very interesting hearing that for sure. And it's like, I think me and Maggie, as you mentioned, we grew up in California and like we both went to high school that was like 98% Asian. And I'm not even kidding. Oh, wow. <laughs> we had like three white person at our school. And that's about it. 
So like complete opposite of like <laughs> my experience. That's so interesting. Yeah. I want to hear more about that too, because I want to hear about like how you ever like have you thought of yourself as an Asian American woman, right? Because like have you have you always been prideful to be Asian? Have you tried to hide the fact that you're Asian? Yeah. At what point was a turning point for you if that was the case? Yeah, for sure. I would say definitely when I was younger. So throughout elementary school and especially in middle school, I was not proud to be Asian. I think it was just because, again, like little stereotypical comments that were made by classmates or, you know, some profiling going on. You know, I wasn't proud of it at the time. And I really just didn't understand, like, what makes me so different than all the other kids? Not to say that I was like bullied by any means, but I definitely felt like an outsider. So when I was younger, I would slap on really heavy makeup or like, you know, try to pretend I had like a cut crease, you know, experiment like that. And then I think it was really in high school when I decided, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, I should be proud of who I am and, you know, where my parents are from and like the language they speak and everything about me makes me me. So I think the turning point was really high school. And then again, college really solidified the fact that, you know, now I have this community that I'm just super grateful to be a part of. Wow. I I love hearing that. I love that, you know, you grew into this phase where you're like, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. Like I should agree. Yeah. yeah. And I went through something very similar because before I'm actually very petite. So I'm like, shorter than five foot. So in school, in grade school, I would always see, you know, Caucasian women who would be, or, you know, girls who would be tall and skinny. And I'd be like, I wish I looked like that. But then as you grow older, it's like, you really learn to embrace who you are. And I love that you went through that experience. Yeah. I'm kind of curious too, because as you mentioned, you kind of grew into this person that you're very comfortable who you are. And it really reflects throughout your entire content, right? Like we looked through your TikToks and Instagram is like, well, like, She's so confident. And then we find out like you're still in college. I'm like, wow, like that's the opposite of how I was in college. Like in college, I wasn't very, that I wasn't very confident, right? And I want to hear about like discovering yourself and like knowing yourself, how that translated to like your content. Because yeah. when you look at your content, it's extremely authentic. It's extremely genuine. You look yeah. at it, it's like, this is who we see and this is who we get. And I absolutely love that part of your, of your content creation process. Yeah. So I would definitely say that they kind of had an intertwined relationship. So my content creation and my confidence, they kind of grew together and they both kind of helped each other. When I first started content creation, well, I've been taking like, you know, photo shoots, little quote unquote photo shoots of myself since like middle school. And then it all really started picking up in quarantine. And that's, you know, where I am now. So when I started, I think I used photos as a way to really push out my confidence. It's kind of like a fake it till you make it type scenario in some ways, right? Like I felt like if I portrayed this confidence through my photos, I would eventually, you know, start to integrate that into my own life. And I really feel like that's what's happened. And now the confidence that you see in my photos, like, like you said, it is true. It is authentic. I really feel that within myself. So I think they just helped each other grow a lot. That's so amazing. I know that you post a lot of videos of you, you like comparing photos that you used to take before. And there were also fashion related photos too. And then you would kind of like switch it into the photos that you take now. And you can see the differences and like how much you've improved and how much 
more confident you feel. And like, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I also took photos of myself in middle school. Like, I would like give these disposable cameras to my mom and be like, take a photo of me in our house stairway. You're, you're exposing <laughs> how old you are, Maggie. Stop. Oh, okay. <laughs> but then but I would like look back at them like, oh my gosh, like, why did I take this? <laughs> but yeah, I just love how, how much you have seen yourself grow and you realize that yourself. I do want to know, like, when you were starting out, what was your first viral video? What was it of? Yeah, so I actually specifically remember the video and I specifically remember when it went viral, um, just because it was such an amazing moment for me. The first video was how I style graphic tees and it was an Instagram reel. And I think the reason it went so viral is because I caught Instagram reels at like a very beautiful time where it was just starting off. It was, you know, trying to do the, the TikTok trends, you know, not a lot of people were posting on reels. So at that time, my video was able to gain a lot of visibility because all of the viewers, you know, only went to a couple of videos of like the few creators who were, you know, making them at the time. And I remember it was like the craziest, like out of body experience when it hit like 1 million views. I was like, wow, this is insane. Because at the time, I think I only had like when I started, 1.5k followers on Instagram. I didn't even have a TikTok, I don't think. I didn't have a YouTube. And so it was just really, really incredible, but also really terrifying at the same time to suddenly be cast in like so many people's eyes and like starting to read the comments. I remember it was just like a very amazing experience, but also just very scary <laughs> at the same time. That's a great statement to talk to talk about that more too, because like you know, in every viral video, there's always, you know, the support, obviously. But then there always comes a lot of hate comments, like really random hate comments. You're like, how are you hating on my T-shirt? I, I just don't get it, right? <laughs> and it's like, I don't understand, like, and we, we admire you for this, too. It's like, how do you deal with, like, the haters and all that stuff? Because I know that you're relatively new to the scene. And yeah. I'm pretty sure it has impacted you at the very beginning. But like, how have you for sure. those negative comments? Yeah. So for me, it's still a work in progress. Of course, I'd love to say like, ah, haters, who cares about them? There's trolls, but I'm, I'm a human, you know, it still definitely affects me. Like you said, though, a lot more at the beginning. I remember, I remember when things started taking traction, my boyfriend, Jason, he was like, you know, Vanessa, I don't know if you're cut out for this. And he didn't mean that as like an insult, like, oh, you suck. No. It was more like, he knows I'm a very sensitive person and I care deeply about what other people think of me, probably too much, which is why, you know, he was nervous for me just because with a lot of spotlight on you, of course, comes a lot of appreciation and support, but also a lot of negativity. And I think as humans, we tend to zero in on the negativity and like explode it. So that's what I did at first. But I think you know, as I'm getting older, as I'm getting more accustomed to the scene, I think it's just really important to remind myself that honestly, they don't matter. <laughs> that sounds really, really harsh, but you know, the trolls don't matter. And I think it's also important. Okay. So kind of like a side tangent, but I guess when you hear people talk about, you know, being in the online sphere, they're always saying, don't let the negativity get to you and affect how you view yourself. Right. But I think at the same time, it is so important to not let the positivity change how you view yourself as well. Like, I'm so immensely grateful for the support and like, you know, the nice comments that I get. But 
I have to try really hard to not let those fuel my own confidence in myself. Like my confidence has to come from within me, not from anybody else. So I can't let the negative comments or the positive comments get to me because at that point, then you start expecting things, you know, and then that just leads down to a bad road of expectations. And, you know, so yeah, that's kind of the two cents I've kind of learned from all of it. Yeah. That's one of the best things I heard all day, right? No one ever, no one ever talks about like, don't let the positivity change you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It is important though. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And it comes with, I think positive, too much positivity leads to entitlement. Whereas, yeah, like, oh, I agree. So don't, you know, it can degrade me. You know, all those <laughs> things, right? But I, I definitely know what you mean. And I, I, you have to keep yourself grounded in some ways because essentially like yeah. you are who you are, right? Don't let other people's opinions change you because mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, it can feel good or feel bad, but like end of the day, so you make your own decisions. And I really respect exactly. that. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I we never really hear that. You know, people normally just say like, don't let the negative negativity get to you, which is true. But then people don't really talk about the positive comments, right? And how that can affect you as well, or like seal your ego yeah. to the point where you can't really return. And yeah, I do remember reading this like article saying how Jason did say like, I don't know if you're cut out for this. Like, yeah, a lot of pressure in social media. But then it sounded like afterwards, like you get, you, he knows that you have such a good head on your shoulders and you kind of like figured it out, right? And you don't really let the negativity or the positivity influence that too much. And then he kind of went like, I just let her do what her, what she wants to do now. He's so and also, also keep so sorry. Yeah, he's so supportive. Yeah. He's, he's honestly, I feel like every time I, you know, talk to people about this, I'm literally plagiarizing what he's telling me. Because like, I'm like, oh, you know, don't let all the positivity or the negative, like he's the one who told me that he's been so supportive and so helpful. And, you know, he helps me see things in a different light because, you know, he's always the one that I go to when I freak out that, you know, a troll said something mean. He's always the one who grounds me and says, hey, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, like you're doing you, you're, you're succeeding, you know, they just want to bring you down. And one last thing I wanted to say about like, you know, the whole positivity on social media it really becomes like such a negative cycle because people get like obsessed with social media, like not even just influencers. I think everybody, you know, when they see the little like icon, refresh, 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 how many likes can I get? Right. And that's really such a negative cycle that people get sucked into because let's say on average, you get like a hundred likes and then the next day you get like 50 and then you start doubting yourself. Right. And you start saying like, what did I do wrong? Like what's wrong with me? And that's really like, you know, what I try to stay away from. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you bring up a really great point. Um, I mean, when you had first started getting big, I want to talk about that too. Like, did you struggle with separating your own self-esteem from social media? Like you mentioned, there are obviously a lot of ups and downs with content creation and, you know, fighting the algorithm. One day, Damn algorithm. Extremely negative <laughs> video. And then the next day, another video isn't doing so well, right? And that can get to you. Like, that can make you sure. think, like, what what did I do wrong? You know, what did I do wrong today? Like, I spent so much time on this one video that I thought would go viral, but it didn't. How did you kind of change your mindset and outlook on that? Yeah, I think that one, I very specifically had to change my behavior, I guess you could say. When I first started, you know, I would do the refresh. I would refresh how many views have I gotten, how many comments. I would pour through all the comments, you know. But I think now... I kind of set it and forget it. You know, I post a video. I try not to put too many expectations on it. If it does really well, then, you know, amazing. And if it doesn't, it's okay. 
I've kind of learned that it's not always in your hands. And I think for me, I'm a very type A person who like needs to be in control of the situation. It was kind of a hard shift for me to figure out and say, hey, some things are out of your hand. This mysterious algorithm, just, just pretend it's the mysterious algorithm, you know, deciding your fate. Because if you put too much pressure on yourself and say like, you know, the outcome of the video is how hard you worked or how well you're doing, how good you are, you know, that's just, that can be really, really negative. So I kind of just, you know, do what I like, create the content that I love, push it out into the world, and then we'll see how it goes. And I guess that's a good segue to talk a little more about the algorithm part too, because you are a software or a CS graduate. And on top of that, you graduate, you graduate summa cum laude, right? Like yes, I do. One percent. We're gonna have you write the own your own algorithm at this point because it just makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I, mean, I think you're giving me a little bit too much credit prior, but yeah. So I graduated recently, so I graduated in December with a computer science degree. I know a lot of people, you know, because I graduated with such high honors. I mean. Would I say computer science is my passion? Definitely not at this point. I think if I was in the field right now, because I am a content creator full time now, I think if I was in the computer science field, I would find a lot of joy out of it. And I think I would find it really fulfilling. But I'm just very glad that my career path has shifted. <laughs> That's all I can say. I also have a confession as well. I also graduated with my computer science degree. Wow. Also sumo karate as well. So... I, I know I, I don't even use any of it. And it's, it's so sad. My professors must be so disappointed. Honestly, that kind of haunts me too. I'm like, wow, I did so good. And like, you know, now it's just collecting dust. My diploma is just collecting dust on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. I, I want to hear about your like thought process behind like your decision making behind your career right because like yeah i'm pretty sure your parents have expectations that you know vanessa yeah. can be a software engineer she's gonna work at some big tech company give me <laughs> lots of money and it's like okay now she's a content creator and i want to hear like what made you lean towards one way compared to the other and how hard the decision might have been for you because as you mentioned like you spend so much time and effort you know yeah. studying for your degree and now you're not using it right so it's like yeah what's that, what's that reflection point like for you Definitely at first, it was a lot more challenging. Again, like I think a lot of Asian parents are stereotypically can be, you know, very, very strict and have high expectations of their children. My parents definitely, you know, fall into that category. So they expected a lot from me in regards to, you know, financial status, as well as like, you know, this kind of job you have. And so at first, it was definitely a big shift for them. They were relatively supportive, I would say, or, you know, honestly, we didn't talk about much, you know, like at the time I lived with them during quarantine, you know, I was making videos on the side. I was attending Zoom University. We, we really didn't talk about it. It wasn't until the money started rolling around in all honesty that they started saying, okay, maybe this is serious. Maybe this is actually something that she can capitalize on. I do remember though, I actually, I secured a job internship over the summer. I think it was last summer. And I actually, or two summers, whatever, two summers ago. And I actually declined it. And it was the most terrifying experience, especially telling my mom, being like, hey mom, like, yeah, you know that job interview? 
Yeah, I got the job, but I actually said no. And it was very scary, very scary for like the next 10 minutes. But after a lot of, you know, communication, she was like, you know what? Like, I believe in you. Like, I trust you. I see your drive. I see you. Even though we don't really talk about it, I see you working your ass off every single day, you know, making these videos. And ever since then, really, none of us have really looked back, I would say. Obviously, for me, this is a really, really big passion. So for me, it was like a no brainer, right? For pursuing content creation. For my parents, I think this sounds really negative, but I think really the money is what made them say like, okay, she's doing fine. Like she's stable. She's probably making more than she would be making in the computer science field. So like, that's kind of what got their blessing. But at the end of the day, I'm just really glad to have their blessing to have them being so supportive. So I'm really glad your parents are very supportive. For myself, it's a little bit more different. I had to wait until I get my master's degree until I told them. Oh, well, and then like, Five, ten, I actually worked as a software engineer for 10 years. Oh, wow. And I remember the day that I quit, my mom and my mom and dad actually stopped talking to me for six months. They're like, I can't believe you quit your job. I was like, <laughs> so I really like the fact that your parents are very, very supportive. But again, like there's a key difference, right? You're, you blew up pretty big on TikTok and social media. At the time, I was telling them like a pipe dream I have. I'm like, I'm trying to build something cool for the Asian community when my hair into like, what the hell are you trying to build? I was like, I don't even know what I'm trying to build. <laughs> I'm trying to build something. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really glad your parents are ultra supportive and it just warms my heart to hear that story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very lucky. Yeah. Vanessa, you mentioned when, you know, you, you talked about how, you know, this may sound bad, but we only started, you only started talking to your parents about it more when the money started coming in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like yeah. that happens to a lot of Asian children of immigrants who, you know, have a side hustle, right? Because we don't ever really talk about it to our parents because they, we know that they won't understand unless the money starts coming in mm-hmm. that, you know, our parents. And I, I know it, yeah, like you mentioned, it could sound bad, but I think that they just don't want us to suffer how they did, right? Yeah. A lot of them are immigrants and they didn't really have, anything on their backs when they came here, like they're struggling to make money and they just want us to be stable. They just want us to have a stable job, right? And yeah. so the same thing with me, like when I quit my full-time job to work on Asian House that work full-time, I didn't even tell my parents. And then Brian had posted it, like an announcement on the Facebook group. And I forgot that my mom had Facebook. So she saw the post and like the whole time she knew that I didn't have a W-2, but like we still didn't talk about it, but I think it was one of those things where it's like, you know, even though I wasn't doing what she wanted me to do, which was to have a stable job with benefits mm-hmm. and a good retirement plan. At the same time, she like understood like this is something that we were extremely passionate about and this is something yeah. that drives us. And I, I feel like that same thing happened with your, your parents as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Vanessa, I mean, you kind of talked about it earlier too, like, your mom and dad seen how hard you work on your content creation, right? And we noticed that too. Like you're remarkably consistent. Like you've reinvested into better, better gear every single time. Like your picture quality has definitely increased. Your video quality has increased. Your editing skill, skills has definitely went through the roof. It's like, well, yeah. I don't know how like you even made those transitions anymore. It's so amazing. <laughs> so I want to hear about like how... I mean, I want to hear about your planning process because I think I saw some like IG stories a couple months ago where you had you literally had a whiteboard of like, okay, this content goes here and the content content goes there. Like, 
how much planning and concentration and the skills you have to ramp up because I feel like not everyone can plan, right? Yeah. Like, I think they can plan, but not everyone can actually plan. Like, how did you pick up the skill sets and become more consistent? I think, again, being a type A personality definitely helped and contributed. And, you know, in school, all throughout, you know, high school, college, I focused all of my efforts on, you know, education. And then now that I've graduated, I've just shifted that energy towards my job. I'm definitely a workaholic, (laughs) maybe a little bit too much. I definitely need to like slow down sometimes because I'm afraid I'm going to like burn out. But in regards to planning, I guess I'm just very anal. It's not anything that like I have to force myself to do. It's not like, okay, Vanessa, you need to start picking up the pieces. It's more like, I feel like I need to, or else, you know, my brain just doesn't function unless, you know, everything's in order. Everything's in a time slot. Everything's accounted for in my bullet journal. But in regards to like a day-to-day, how I plan my content, everything like that. Typically at the beginning of the week, I plan out my bullet journal. I lay out, you know, all of my deadlines because, you know, a big portion of my income comes from sponsorships and those sponsorships come with deadlines. So those are my first priority, you know, make sure you get that content out the door before that deadline. And then in the time that I have between, I, of course, try to figure out what kind of content I want for my own personal feed, because that's also super, super significant. Obviously, that's how, you you know, grow your audience and, you know, have the platform I have today. But I honestly think a lot of like, you know, the content ideas that spring up in my head, a lot of it just comes from (laughs) mindlessly scrolling through TikTok sometimes and, you know, trying to draw inspiration from other creators that I see. I know at the beginning, it was really, really hard for me trying to figure out, okay, how do I bring something new to the table every single day? Because, you know, in such an internet driven society now, people just want new, new, new things all the time. You know, everything's viral, everything's fast, fast, like new ideas out the door. And at first it was just so hard for me to keep up and, you know, and feel like I'm staying relevant. But I think I'm at this, you know, pretty comfortable place now where if I feel like my content is, you know, getting a little stale and I need to freshen it up and I'm just kind of in a roadblock. One thing that's really great is I can go through, you know, my old archive of videos and revamp the video, you know, take my old content and recreate it with a twist. So I feel like at this point moving forward, like everything is fresh or everything is just a revamp of the old and I'll never run out of ideas. I love that so much. I mean, I absolutely agree with you. I think Oftentimes we get so caught up, like Ryan and I were just scrolling through TikTok, trying to find inspiration and trying to find... But we never find it. (laughs) And I think it's just like so much information that it's like, yeah, not everything will also apply to your specific, you know, style. But then, you know, it's, it's just so much. It's, it's a lot. Like you can just like mindlessly scroll on TikTok for hours and hours and hours. But I love that, you know, you are going back to your old content to see if you can get inspiration from that, which will also, you know, still apply to your style. And I feel like the transitions with the zooming in, zooming out, as well as the cloning runway style is definitely your thing, or at least you were the first that I had seen to do that. Yeah. When did you realize like you finally had, you know, kind of like your style down and just your knees shape? Yeah. How'd you find your Yeah. I guess the moment really hit me is when, you know, I saw other creators start recreating things that I had done. And I think for me, that was just like a whoa, <laughs> like wait a minute. Because, you know, I, I've always looked to other content creators for inspiration and, you know, like big dreams, like, okay, this is the kind of content 
I want to start creating one day, one day when I get there, I want, you know, something similar and to see other people, you know, following like my trends that I started, like, that's just a really, really cool moment. And such a moment that you like sit back and you're like, wow, like I've grown so far and I'm just so appreciative of like the journey and everything. So definitely mind blowing, especially, especially when it comes to, you know, content creators that I follow really closely that I've been following for, you know, years when I see them take inspiration from me or when they, you know, follow me back. It's just like, wow, like they notice me and they, they see me as like an equal in the space. And to me, that's just really, really cool. And out of body. (laughs) And we see more than just an equal, right? We see you as a pioneer for the newer generation of social media. And we can't wait to see like how things continue to unfold for you. But there's a burning question I want to ask because I know okay. there's like a huge upgrade in your like quality of content and editing skills. So what kind of softwares and equipment and lighting do you have? Because I want to, yeah. I'm curious. I want to hear more about it. Oh, yeah. So that is definitely one of my most asked questions. People are always asking for tutorials on how I edit. So firstly, I film everything on my iPhone 12 Pro. I don't like use a DSLR or anything. To be honest, I don't know how to use one. So I just use my iPhone. The most important aspect when it comes to lighting for me is to always use natural lighting. I think it just, you know, reflects the best. It translates the best. And so I do most of my videos and content in front of like, you know, a huge window right when the sun is out. And, you know, sometimes I'll use like a little ring light to add to it, but I never just use artificial lighting. And I think that's really important. In regards to editing software, again, a lot of people ask, like, you know, what app do I use? Can I show a tutorial? And it's a little bit tricky because I edit everything on my desktop. And so I use Final Cut Pro on my Mac. So that is what I use. I used to use Premiere Pro, Adobe. Yeah, but I switched because I felt that Final Cut Pro was a lot smoother on the Mac. So that's really helpful information. Yeah. Every time when I'm like shooting videos and I'm just using the ring light, I'm like, oh man, this is really bad lighting. <laughs> I gotta re listen to this podcast later and be like, okay, I may take some notes. All right. This is yeah. notes. All right. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And then it's to show that Vanessa is just recording or creating content at the same time every single day. So yeah. that, like that's a big part on like consistency. I love that. Yeah, I love that too. And I know consistency is a key to like success, right? You have to be consistent (laughs) in everything you do. But I think it comes with a fine balance too, because too much consistency is also kind of bad in some ways because you don't have that break. You're always on. You can't turn it off, right? And I want to spend some time talking about mental health with you and how you take care of yourself (laughs) because, you know, we see you turn out content almost every single day and you're a type A personality. So there's no way you're going to stop. Oh my God, I didn't want to content today. (laughs) So I want to hear about like, how have you like taking the measures to take care of your mental health? And when are days where you're just like, damn, like I had to do this. Like, this is crazy (laughs) because as human beings, we're all hopper ups and downs, right? So I want to hear about almost all like mental health and up and downs that you have. Yeah. So firstly, I want to preface, you know, again, how insanely grateful I am to have this as my career and to have so many people, you know, supporting me and, you know, there in my every move. With that said, though, I think every career in the whole world has its pros and cons, right? And I think it's such a misconception that, you know, influencers, content creators, I mean, at the end of the day, I can only speak for myself, but I do feel like because of the way, you know, I portray myself online. People think I'm living this very glamorous life of like shopping trips or like photo shoots and eating out, you know, 
in reality, it's literally me and my cat in our apartment filming every single day. And there's there's tons and tons of days where, you know, I wake up and I'm just like, I do not want to do this. You know, I don't want to throw my face on. I don't want to put on clothes. Like, I just want to stay in bed, especially days where I have like artist block, I guess you could say, you know, when the creative juices aren't flowing. And like mentioned, you know, consistency is great. Consistency is how you grow and how you, you know, keep yourself on schedule. But at the same time, it can be a little bit like depressing in a sense that, you know, every day it's like, yeah, you're filming different things every day, but every day is basically the same grind. It, it's always like, you know, this is my dream job. But at the same time, a nine to five is also, you know, doing the same thing every day. And I think the challenge is, you know, figuring out how to keep things spicy, I guess, for me, you know, and how to make my days more interesting for myself, because I don't want it to feel like a nine to five, you know, and especially I think when it comes to being a content creator, you know, you don't get to switch off, right? Like your life is your job. So like even on days on the weekends, if I'm, you know, going out with Jason or doing something fun, if I don't document that online, I'll feel guilty or I'll feel like, you know, oh, I'm not milking the moment. And I think for me, it's really, really important to know when to switch off, you know. So nowadays I've kind of forced myself at 5 p.m., you know, don't check emails, don't really go online, just, you know, live in the moment, spend time with Jason, you know put your feet up because again, it can be really, really scary when it's like every single day you have to, you know, put your, put your social media face on. Um, And sometimes I just, you know, I just want to chill and watch Netflix. So that's so relatable. And thank you so much for being so transparent with us on that side. Right. That's what we need to hear. And you know, that's what more people need to hear. It's like, it's ups and downs to each side, but like how you reframe everything and form those boundaries that are extremely for yourself and your personal health and your mental health and relationship wise. So thanks for sharing that. I know you mentioned earlier too that, you know, you work with sponsorships and that's majority of your income. Mm -hmm. What has been your experience working with sponsors and have you done most of the outreach to sponsors or do do they reach out to you? Yeah. So I have an amazing, incredible management team. So they help me with all the negotiations, you know, all the contracts, all the legal jargon, everything like that. And They're just amazing. So shout out to Mike and Alina because you guys rock. But I would say my experience with sponsorships has been great, honestly, especially, you know, since signing on with my management team. I think before when I first started off and I was by myself, it was a really, really scary world to navigate, especially because, you know, people don't talk about the money that they're earning, especially, you know, content creators is such a, a new job, I guess, that like, you know, you can't just be like, oh, how much, how much are you making per deal? Like people don't talk about that. So when it came to negotiations, you know, I I was being lowballed a lot and I had no clue, but then, you know, I started working with my management team and they've been doing great and, you know, getting me what they think, you know, I deserve, but the majority of companies, I believe reach out to me. And then what usually happens is if it's something worthwhile or something that I'm interested in, I'll usually forward that to my management team. And then there's also a couple instances where, you know, because they have a huge network of people they know, if a company that they've worked with before has like a new campaign and they think I'd be a good fit, then they'll pitch me for that. But typically most sponsorships, they come to me first. And really quickly, another great thing about my management team is 
you know, I, I worked with another management team before really briefly, just, you know, kind of dipping my toes in to see what it was all about. And I think what really makes my current team stand out is all the emails come to me directly first. I requested that because I like seeing full transparency of what's going on, what deals are coming to my door. You know, I like having that one-on-one interaction with the brands initially, as opposed to all of them getting sheltered to them straight away. So to me, that's, that's really important. I really like that. Yeah. I mean, I think every different agency does it differently, but I like the idea of having the emails come to you. And I absolutely agree. I think that when you're just starting out on your own, it's hard to know what, you know, your value is or what you should, you know, throw your rate out. But to have a team be able to like guide you and tell you, you know, you can charge a lot more for this, which is what a lot of content creators don't realize. I feel like when they're starting out, they're just, you know, undervaluing themselves and putting out a rate that they think is good. But oftentimes it's a lot lower than what they could possibly get. So I love that you have that guidance now. Yeah, it's such a lucrative business that I think a lot of people don't realize. I mean, genuinely, I think the way that things are going, it's going to be the main source of advertising for the majority of companies, if not all, because social media is just such a powerhouse now. Yeah, right? absolutely agree with that statement. And Vanessa, I know we're, ending, we're getting close to the end of our podcast and I want to want to hear what's next for you. Like, what are your goals? Do you want to be a full-time model? Do you want to be an actress eventually? Like, <laughs> but where, where do you see yourself like living and being in the next yeah. five to 10 years? I mean, to be an actress is probably out of my cards. I'm a terrible liar. <laughs> so like, not the actress lie, but you know, you have to put on this persona. I don't think I could do that. But as of right now, my current plans is, you know, to continue growing my audience and, you know, growing this connection with so many different people. But I think in the near future, foreseeable future, I would love to launch my own clothing line. That's been something that I've been dreaming about since I was like six. Um, When I was little, I would literally like doodle in the margins, like dresses and stuff that I would make up. So I think for me, that's the next big step. I look forward to that one day. We're going to look forward to that very, very soon. <laughs> Just let us know. We'll hear it for you all the way. For sure. I do have one question for you that I'm just personally curious about. Just like watching all of your videos and content. You have so much clothes that I'm just very curious about. Where do you fit all of that clothes? Like how big is your closet? And how do you organize all of that? So right now I am in a single bedroom apartment shared with Jason. So our closet is not huge. Let's just say it's my closet. <laughs> yes, like two of the closet, unfortunately. But people always ask me for like a closet tour. And I'm like, no, you cannot look in my closet, right? You know, maybe one day when I get a house and like I can build like a closet, like as of right now, it's a disaster zone. No, but I do have a Depop. So I sell a lot of clothing so that's that's always a constant thing on my to-do list is you know at depop or else my closet will literally not hold anything <laughs> good to know we're getting the inside scoop here so depop guys buy as much clothes again <laughs> please i'm begging you <laughs> but here, i mean i know i know i keep saying like oh we're editing the podcast but kind of curious too like are most of your clothes you buy yourselves or are they sponsored they're mostly sponsored majority of them, which is probably the best perk of my job is because, you know, I've always been kind of a shopaholic and I've always loved buying clothes. So that's definitely 
Um, okay, and not actually, but it's a, it's a really great perk of the job. The majority of them are usually sent by brands. <laughs> awesome. All right, that's it. I'm going to become a fashion person now because <laughs> I like free clothes too. Who doesn't, right? <laughs> so I guess we have one final question for you. And the question is, so Vanessa, how for a new content creator that's relatively young, right? Let's say they're you know, still in college and they're hitting a very high level of success. How can this person stay true to who they are and not let yeah. every, everything change them? And you know, how can they be the, like the most genuine, pure person that they, they, they could be as they're becoming yeah. successful? I guess, you know, not to regurgitate what I was saying before, but basically don't let anything affect you other than yourself. You know, again, getting compliments is great, but just because somebody says you're pretty or somebody says you're successful, none of that matters unless you feel that in yourself, you know, to really stay true to yourself is, you know, listen to your audience because, you know, when they criticize you, there's always, you know, something that you should think about and question about yourself, but don't let anybody's opinion of you define who you are. And I just feel like by doing that, you'll, I don't know, like, I, I don't see myself as like, honey. <laughs> I see myself as Vanessa, you know, all my friends and family, they see me as like, this goofy kid so and i think a big part of it is just you know not letting other people affect me i love that you are pretty goofy i've watched your youtube videos but that's why we love you <laughs> like your personality is so cute <laughs> i think a lot of people don't see that too yeah. like, right yeah. until they see my youtube and they're like whoa she's very tingly <laughs> i love it <laughs> so vanessa where can our listeners find out more about you online all right. So my handle, our TikTok and Instagram is vivacious.honey and my YouTube is vivacioushoney with no dot because for some reason they wouldn't let me the dot. So I was like, okay, I'll just make it one word. Okay. Awesome. We will leave all of that in our show notes for this episode. But Vanessa, it was amazing having you on your podcast today. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. And I'm so sorry that I ramble. I'm a rambler. <laughs> no, you did great. We're so honored to be your first podcast ever. And we'll hold that title forever. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. Hey, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes. So be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday. So stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.